The time for empty talk is over. Now arrives the hour of action. It's time for the John DePietro Show here on News Talk, WNRI, 1380 AM and 99.9 and 95.1 FM. He's a special kind of sentinel. Mr. DePietro, who is in the eye of the storm. Suddenly, John DePietro became the story. Radio talk show host, John DePietro. All right, here we go, folks. Welcome to lunchtime. Good afternoon, one and all. Here I am. It's Juan. This portion of the John DePietro Show is brought to you by J.K.L. Engineering. Remember, listen, it's going to continue to get cold. Call J.K.L. Engineering for all your heating needs. J.K.L. 401-351-7600. Remember, J.K.L. Engineering, they do it right the first time. Estimates are free. Financing is available for both residential and commercial. Call J.K.L. Engineering 401 401- 351-7600. Hey, folks, we have uh, big news on this on this day, and someone that is, uh, in, in a way, breaking it, because it was a big announcement, and he's a writer for the Boston Globe who covers Rhode Island. It has to do with Twin River and IGT, something that really exploded back in June, and then you even had the allegation of Brett Smiley with potentially that there was a threat against Twin River with extortion. IGT certainly came under. A lot of heat with Governor Amundo and Don Schweitzer. And now, fast forward to January, and joining us right now from the Boston Globe, and he happens to be our friend Dan McGowan. Good afternoon, Dan. Good afternoon, John. How are you? I was just reading your uh, story. This, I know they had a press conference, and this is big news, this new partnership between Twin River and IGT. Yeah, that's exactly right. I was over there just a second ago and then got, you know, hustled back to the office to call you. And, and um, yeah, I mean, look, this is a, a, a deal that what, what it shows you is that they were able to, uh, after a really long and pu- very public kind of bitter dispute between both IGT and Twin River, uh, they've now kind of come to terms on an agreement that uh, basically allows them to both sides to kind of get what they wanted out of this. Uh, Twin River gets a little more control over the slot machines that are on the floor at their casinos. IGT gets the protection of its 20-year contract. And so what's basically going to happen is um, uh, Twin River, you know, assuming this all goes through the legislature, which all signs seem to suggest it will, uh, Twin River and uh, IGT will essentially be your, you know, your major players in the industry in Rhode Island uh, through 2040. Uh, so for the foreseeable future. So this still, I guess, needs some sort of legislative approval. But does this do away with the lawsuit that Twin River was objecting to with IGT, the fact that they were supposed to get the extended 20-year deal? Yeah, I mean, what it, what this definitely puts to rest any sort of, you know, effort from Twin River to attempt to kind of kill that deal. Um, what, what needs to happen with the legislature is, uh, the, the, the IGT, which is still the dominant lottery provider and the, the, you know, provides the slot machines on the floor at Twin River casinos. Uh, or most of the uh, uh, slot machines, they will still need to be approved for uh, for an extension of the contract from 2023 uh, through 2043. And then similarly, Twin River is going to ask the uh, the state to approve uh, an extension for for their kind of rights in the state, and it would just match up with with IGT. So it would be 2043 as well. I also, you're reporting uh, Dan McGowan of the Boston Globe. Twin River also says uh, apparently they're going to, uh, as much as they, uh, I'm not sure exactly where their offices are, although obviously so much of it is done in Lincoln, but now they're even going to open uh, headquarters in Providence where IGT, the old, uh, where, where they, in fact, they, they have their headquarters. That's right, yeah. They're headquartered right now in, uh, and I was actually there the other day, they're in uh, the 100 Westminster Street, which is where the U.S. Attorney's Office is, the building owned by Joe Palino, uh, and they say they want to actually build out a little bit of a space. Now, I don't know if it'll be new or if they'll just find office space that's already existing that might be vacant here, uh, but yeah, so that's, that's their commitment. They're also going to uh, invest about $100 million in trying to uh, uh, kind of expand the physical Twin River. They want to add 40,000 uh, square feet of gaming space. Uh, they want to add a spa to the hotel. And so they're, you know, they're looking to really compete with the Encores, which they've really struggled to, uh, you know, they, they've certainly lost revenue because of uh, Encore opening in Boston. 
Folks, good afternoon. We're speaking with Dan McGowan of the Boston Globe, who also, uh, Dan McGowan has a story in this morning's Boston Globe about the Education Commissioner. I'm anxious to hear, talk about the Rhode Island Education Commissioner, her plans with Providence. There is a new um, superintendent in Providence. And Dan, let's start with anything more on this business that Mayor Lorza did not attend the announcement. I know there was some back and forth where they thought he was out of town and then they contacted him the day of. I, I still think that type of symbolism speaks volumes. But um, it, what, what can you tell us about, just let's start with the announcement of the new superintendent. Yeah, so John, let's clear it up very, uh, very much right now. Uh, the city was absolutely aware that the uh, superintendent was being announced at 11 a.m. on Monday. Uh, in fact, I told them on Friday uh, before I broke the story that that the, that the state had hired the superintendent, uh, they had had conversations with the state, and then for whatever reason, and I don't know the answer to this, the mayor was not present at uh, at the Monday morning press conference. Uh, you, you know, I think it does. I mean, I think it's never a good sign when the mayor of the capital city wants to be, uh, or, you know, is not there when it's still Providence schools. You still control a lot of the buildings and things like that. Uh, you know, the, everybody's kind of writing it off. Uh, the mayor was part of the interview process with this Harrison Peters, the new, the incoming superintendent. Uh, he, he interviewed him uh, just a couple of weeks ago on a Saturday morning. Uh, and so, you know, he was included, but, uh, you know, it, it certainly since the sign. It reminds me of, I remember the press conference on the day that the state officially took over on November 1st. Same thing. Uh, not just the mayor not in the room, but nobody from the mayor's staff in the room for the, for, for the you know, official kind of handover. Uh, and, and, you know, and I think it, it does. It certainly, you know, gives the perception that, uh, that the mayor is kind of trying to take, off, take a hands-off approach. Um, I, you know, I think from the state perspective, to be honest, I don't think they care at all, right? I, I think that they're, they do believe they control the entire system, and, you know, whoever wants to be there to be a part of it, they're on board with. And if, if others don't want to be, as long as they don't get in the way, I think that they're perfectly fine with it. So the city knew the press conference was going to be Monday. The mayor's Absolutely. people, that part is established. The mayor's people, they claim they weren't invited is is that is this possibly that that the the a new education commissioner afonte green assumed he would be there because they did know about it and didn't go through the formal process of of inviting him is this possibly that the mayor and his people used that the fact that it was maybe just an oversight as an excuse for him not to attend to send a message it's a really interesting concept. I, I, I was. It's not. It, it, it's possible. I mean, that went through my head as well. Like I said, there, there is no doubt that the city of Providence was well aware that this was happening. Again, they knew Friday afternoon that this was that this was coming. And so, um, it, you know, it's entirely possible that it, it was one of those things. It's also, and, and this is not you know something that a lot of listeners probably want to hear when it comes to the mayor of Providence. The mayor had his own big kind of. Uh, announcement later in the day on on Monday yep. about the uh, uh, all the the new bike lanes that they're putting in the city. And remember, you know this is kind of his thing. He floats by his own boat or on his own boat, and he really was looking forward to that press conference. And so, you know, I think he wanted to make sure that he was uh, uh, prepared for that. But I mean, let's be very clear. You know, mayors and governors and high level politicians uh, they do two announcements in one day all the time, yes. right? So, uh, it, you know, it, it's hard to believe that you were just so focused on the other thing that you couldn't, you know, come for the introduction of the new superintendent. Uh, so it's certainly, I mean, it's another thing that gives you and I something to talk about when, you know, we kind of raise the question about where is the city when it comes to this state takeover? Well, and, and, and just a couple things on that is, number one, Dan, I mean, Governor Mundo. And basically now, you know, the education commissioner, she brought her in. So that's kind of her. They, they're the same party. I mean, they, they're Democrats. So this is not even like it's somehow like partisan politics. But a lot of people, I saw some people on social media commenting and not understanding the significance of, all right, like, so what? So he wasn't there. Well, what people don't understand is when someone is crafting and putting together, quote, the, the press conference, for those individuals, 
it, it is a big deal. They have expectations that they're going to get coverage. They get, they're going to get a certain message out with that. I know of people that have told me in the past of all different capacities, and you probably have the same thing. They were planning on doing a press conference, but then they found out so-and-so or so-and-so, they couldn't make it or that they wouldn't stand there. I know that there was uh, a situation I won't get into, but it had to do with law enforcement. And this was just in the last year. And they wanted to have a press conference, and they were about to, and then they didn't. And it was because someone that they thought was important to be there notified them at the last second that they weren't going to go. So the whole thing was canceled. What I'm trying to get across is people should understand this is a big deal that he did not show up for the new superintendent, regardless of state takeover whatever. To me, this shows that, that, that and I don't know who's right or wrong. But there's no way that Mayor Alors is on the same page with this new education commissioner. I, I, that, that, that type of situation where the mayor of the city doesn't go and then it's like, oh, I didn't get it. But there's nothing good or positive about that situation. <laughs> your, your analysis is right here. It is uh, uh, absolutely right that, that when, when these guys do these press conferences, especially the high-profile ones, right, the, the announcement of a new superintendent, things like that, that are, are not just, hey, we're, you know, we're going to paint a school building today, right? These are big, serious things. Uh, the coordination that happens uh, between whether it's state and city government or anybody is immense. I know this, and, and just from this example, you know, I broke the story that the superintendent was, that this guy was coming in on Friday night, and the amount of uh, uh, phone calls and the effort to try to stop me from writing the story so it didn't get out in front of their press conference for Monday was, uh, was enormous. Wow. And, 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 and that's, you know, it, look, that's what they do, and they want their moment in the sun and their kind of uh, uh, spotlight, and, and for the mayor to not be there, it is not just, oh boy, you know, people couldn't get their, uh, you know, their, their, uh, you know, their eyes dotted and, and just figure it out, or, or you know, messages were crossed. No, 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 that that that's not how it works, especially at the highest levels. Yeah, and Dan, and also when I commented on this, you reported that this new Providence superintendent that. Not only, I mean, that's pretty healthy. He's going to be paid two twenty-five, I believe. Plus, there's a chance for certain raises and things like that. Twenty thousand in moving expenses from Tampa to Providence. But what I also kind of found, talk about not on the same page. You have the mayor having a press conference later in the day saying we're going to be the bike city. We're going to seventy-five miles of bike lanes over the city. All this other stuff. And then the new education commissioner, excuse me, superintendent, he's getting seven hundred and fifty a month car allowance, which to me, <laughs> I mean, totally. Totally cuts into the whole allure to think of everyone's going to stop driving cars. Yeah, you know, I didn't get to. I, I sat down with uh, uh, the new superintendent on Tuesday yeah. afternoon, and 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 uh, you I didn't don't you see him. the irony in there? <laughs> yeah, no, you're exactly right. It's not it's a not bike a, allowance, right? I mean, <laughs> would be a nice bike. <laughs> yes, but I mean, you and I know now the mayor. He, to his credit, Mayor Lorza, he you know walks the walk. He he bikes in to City Hall, created with a police officer, yeah. but he bikes to City Hall from his home in Silver Lake, and there you have someone that's going to live in in the city, and he's uh, the new. I would think. He's going to live in the city. I don't know that, but uh, but a seven hundred fifty dollar car allowance that that just you know, Dan. Again, I'm not trying to nickel and dime here, but was this twenty thousand moving expenses, seven hundred fifty a month car allowance? Was he not taking the job if the offer was two fifteen a year, fifteen thousand moving expenses, and seven hundred car allowance? Was that a, a no deal deal breaker if that was the offer? It's a really good question, John. <laughs> I, my sense to this is that they did not have, um, you know, his situation was he was a finalist for a major, major job down in Tampa. Right. Uh, that, that Hillsborough County is the seventh largest school district in the entire country, so it's a big deal down there. Uh, he was a finalist, but he has the same network of, of sort of people behind the scenes who support him that Commissioner uh, Infante Green had. Um, I think once he was turned down, I mean, look, if you just look at the time process, says he was still in the running for that job and he flew up here to interview uh, for this job. I think he probably 
knew that he was not going to get that job. There were lots of signs that suggested that he was not, you know, despite being a finalist. And I think he needed a new place to go. You know, it's really hard to get passed up to be a superintendent and then remain in your district, right? It's just like any other kind of job. Sure. And so I think he needed a path out. And so, you know, I think this was one that I think the deal came together quickly. But let's be very clear. You know, he has been, you know, in the running for lots of large jobs around the country, jobs that pay pretty well. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I think part of this was, hey, you know, we, we have to make some sort of attractive offer uh, within reason. Uh, and you could be the judge of $700 a month for a car allowance is, is within reason. But, um, yeah, I mean, I think they had to make the job a little more attractive. Um, and I know for a fact that in the past, you know, as they were searching for a superintendent, uh, they str- there were people that said, look, if you can't make this, you know, three hundred thousand uh, dollars. I'm not doing it, and, and they did run into that challenge. Sure. Now, Dan, I know a lot about the Tampa area. I've spent a lot of time in the Tampa area. People that don't get down there, uh, the area that this man is coming from, the new superintendent. Any road in and around Tampa. The, the, number one, Florida has one thousand people arriving there a day. Every road that is four lanes, there's construction because they're making it six lanes. And if it's two lanes, there's construction, they're making it four lanes. In Florida, if you have a failing school, and this is state law because Florida legislature is controlled by conservatives. You have Democrats screaming about the conservatives in, uh, in Tallahassee. In Florida, if you have a failing school, they immediately, that opens up the door. The charter schools can open in that area. My point is... He, he is coming into a dramatically different situation than what he's seen in the Tampa area, and is specifically with the amount of building new, brand new schools, but charter schools that are opening in the Florida area. Yeah, look, he's been in two, it's a great point. Another place that he, he comes from, Houston. Houston's very heavily charter school driven. Huge. Uh, and you're right, Florida. I mean, remember, under under Jeb Bush, when Jeb Bush was governor, this was his uh, uh, kind of crowning achievement in yep. many ways. That's uh, right. Was reforming the education system. That was kind of his, his move. Uh, yeah, he comes up here and, and comes to a completely different landscape. By the way, he was also in Chicago. And while you think of Chicago as this heavily kind of unionized place, don't forget, you know, the last mayor there, Rahm Emanuel, while he is a you know, big kind of bleeding heart Democrat, uh, was extremely pro-charter school, uh, went to war with his teachers' union uh, on multiple occasions over the last, uh, uh, you know, eight, nine years. And so uh, he comes from places where that have been, I think, more accepting of school reform and charter schools. Now he comes up here and, you know, you, you've got a, a situation where we know there's the one school that's going to expand that achievement first, but we do not know if if uh, charters will be a, uh, you know, a significant part of this reform effort. That's one of the challenges. I mean, when he's coming in, he'll start on February 20th. He will not know exactly what uh, the commissioner wants to do with this district by February 20th. So, you know, he, he's going to be learning on the job as the commissioner's learning, and they're going to try to put together a plan, uh, uh, you know, so they're ready for the next school year. Now, you make some news in your article in this morning's Boston Globe, Dan McGowan. It has to do, so you have Infante Green, and you have new education commissioner, all the headlines about the Providence schools. Now she has a superintendent. The next big phase of the Providence schools takeover, and this is what I've been waiting for, negotiating a union contract. You make news on a couple different things. Number one, this is news that other people don't have. That Afonte Green has been in communication with Randy Weingarten. And also you make news that Randy Weingarten, that a lot of people may not know, but very, very, I can't express enough how powerful this individual is. She is on the uh, Democrat committee for the convention committee that Perez has sent out for the uh, Democrat Party for 2020. But that she is, uh, she's coming to town. She's coming to Providence next month. Yeah, she'll be here at the end of the month for, uh, for very much what, what appears to be, you know, they're saying it's a collective bargaining uh, union slash community event. But, let, I mean, it's a message. Let's let's be clear about that. Uh, and and she is not Randy Weingarten, who's, who you're right. I mean, and you and I have talked about this a lot, but for, for listeners, um, is a major player in in high-level Democratic politics. She's the player for education, yeah. Yeah, she's the player, that's right. Uh, and so to be here on February 29th, what's that, a couple, week and a half, a couple of weeks before Super Tuesday, yep. 
uh, it's a big deal for her to be here. And yeah, you know, the commissioner told me that, that they have, have been in constant communication. They knew each other a little bit because Randy Weingarten's based in New York. She was in New York. Um, but what 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 is lay, what what the table is set for is for the next and she said she wants to get this done in about three months. Uh, you're going to start to see, I think, uh, kind of the thing you and I have been waiting for, which is how is the union going to handle this? She says she wants to get a contract done. She needs to have it in place uh, before the school year starts. And remember. The funny thing about teachers' contracts, more so than police and fire, is usually police and fire, you're thinking about benefits, you're thinking about pay, you're thinking about your pension. The, the, the challenge with teachers' unions is you're thinking about all those things, but then you're also trying to, in this contract, the commissioner certainly will be trying to change actual policy. How long do they work for? You know, what does the school day look like? Uh, how many people are going to be certified? All these kind of things. And so uh, you, this is going to be she, – she she makes no uh, bones about it. She knows that she's entering the most important part of her tenure here. This contract will be everything. It will tell you exactly – you know, it, it will dictate the future for a generation in the city of Providence. Uh, and so, you know, you kind of have to get it right. Uh, I think that it will probably get ugly before it gets pretty, and I think in the end they all hope that they'll, you know, come to some sort of agreement that is good for students, you know, works out for teachers, and they can all kind of smile for the cameras uh, at the end of this. Well, Dan, I'm told, and again, folks, we're speaking with Dan McGowan of the Boston Globe. Now, from what I heard, both Congressman Cicilline and former Mayor Angel Tavares, they're sending you, I don't know if you know this, they're sending you dry cleaning bills because apparently they, spill, they spit out that coffee when they read that uh, in your story this morning she wants to do it in three months. Yeah. Well, yeah Keep in right, mind, Cicilline, eight years with the firefighter contract, eight years standstill with the firefighter contract, and then we saw Mayor Alorza where they shut down his state of the city uh, in 2018. Uh, how long that battled on? That he basically caved because he was up for re-election. Uh, again, this new education commissioner, what on earth would make her think that she can get a new three a new deal in three months? And if I understand this correctly, the budget for the Providence schools is close to three hundred million a year. So you're talking about if they do a three year deal, potentially it, this could be an amount close to one, certainly more than half a billion dollars at stake. Yeah, this is a big deal. Uh, uh, you're you're exactly right. It's it's uh, the I it's, you know to pull this apart a little bit. I think one of the uh, the, the reasons uh, she the reason the commissioner believes she can get this done on a quick uh, you know with a quicker approach is she does believe and her attorneys believe that because she controls the district, she has a lot more flexibility than maybe your and a lot more leverage potentially than your average mayor might have had. Here's the thing, though. There, we don't know that that's the case. Uh, you'll remember months ago, uh, I wrote a story about this, and you and I talked about it. Uh, while the, the while attorneys believe this, it's never been tested in court. And uh, and I believe at the time, John D. Simone, who's a former state rep and, yes. and is the attorney for the Providence Teachers Union yep. at the time, this could go to court. Absolutely. Yes. And so what what we don't know is, you know, this is not a magic, hey, let's rip up the – I actually joked with the commissioner about this this week. I said, you know, I think a lot of people out there would just say, why don't you just start from scratch? The problem with starting from scratch is there's no incentive for the union to start from scratch. Not they have all, all of the things that they want. Yep. Uh, and so, you know, and you and I were texting earlier this morning. There's always the chance that the teachers kind of hold back and say, you know what, we're we're good with the contract we have right now. Oh, yeah. And, uh, and we're not signing anything. And so it'll be really interesting to see how the commissioner kind of navigates the, you know, the obviously she wants what's best. She wants to, to move the thing forward. But when she hits the hurdle of, nope, no chance we're doing that, how does she, how, how does she handle it? Does it become more money, which is certainly something that, that is on the table. Uh, does it become, nope, we're going to do it unilaterally, which could, which, uh, which could happen. Um, and that's when we'll know if this is going to be, you know, a years-long fight or something that, you know, is ready to go by next school year. Yeah, I, I would tend to think, I mean, there's so many different dynamics to this. You also report the new Providence superintendent. Now, he's not starting to February 20th. Um, I think your comments from Mike D'Amico, who was right there on the front lines with uh, Mayor Angel Tavares, 
I, I think this is where I, I don't see how this doesn't end up in court because the John Hopkins report, Dan McGowan, to me, seemed pretty clear. And I've spoken to different people. A huge battle that here it's it's it is money, but it's it's really control. And that is you have principals say, I can't hire and fire who I want to. You have teachers. It is basically what no one admits. It's 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 basically impossible to fire a teacher in the Providence school system that's in because the, the union contract is so strong. So principals don't even try to. You try to just work with right. kind of like with with what you have. Um, but that type of problem of of sick days and lack of control and, you know, the lack of diversity that's there, it, it sounds as if they're going to have to cut a hefty paycheck. And you hint about that in your article. They want to, you know, have some teach, older teachers retire, replace them with, you know, younger, uh, maybe a little more diverse teaching force. But th- this is what, what people are going to learn that follow this. If anyone thinks everybody's on the same page, the most important thing that the kids are learning, they haven't been paying attention. They, they, there's n- with the union mentality, there's no givebacks. This is about control. Their union membership um, they will fight this and go as long as they have to in order to protect what they feel they have rights to. Well, I'll give you, John, I'll give you a, a uh, kind of an outtake. It didn't make it into the articles on the cutting room floor, oh, but it uh, was, a, was a really good anecdote here. Uh, and it was Mike D'Amico who said, uh, you know, and again, for people out there, Mike D'Amico is the guy who was Providence's director of administration, negotiated lots of union contracts in his life. And what he said to me was, uh, you know, when you're negotiating with the teachers union, you come in and you've got as management, you've got, let's say, 10 priorities. And you know, in the back of your head, you really need three of them. And so you kind of, this is the strategy you go in with, with negotiating. But he said, the thing people don't realize is that the union comes in with 10 priorities as well. Yep. And they have no belief that whatever you're asking, they do not agree with the idea that, you know, something in their current contract is unreasonable, right? And so you automatically are starting at a place where you both want a lot and there's no, there, there's no sort of agreement on where you currently stand. And I think that's a challenge. And that's what you're seeing. You, know, you see this play out a little bit on social media. Mary Beth Calabra, the union president, has actually been very strategic. She's tried to avoid yes. uh, you know, overly fighting about it or overly being public about it. But there are lots of things. The only thing that anybody agrees on right now in that contract is that having teachers only get one day of professional development a year is probably wrong. But try to talk about you know, principal's ability to fi- hire and fire teachers. Try to talk about any number of other things. And there is not kind of unanimous agreement. And that's where they're going to really clash. Yeah. And I, and, um, you know, Governor Mundo, um, she was very clear that it's not a money problem. She feels there's plenty of money that goes into Providence. Uh, these are the governor's words. And she, she has kind of like clapped back at people that say they need to throw, throw more money there. But I think... Um, it's one thing we know Calabro at least is going to run point, even though they have a team of people behind her that are professional negotiators. This is a very, very important contract. Providence yep. and Warwick are both AFT. This is not a Bob Walsh situation, but th- what they can get into contracts affect all contracts. So, you know, th- th- they may look for just two or three things that may seem benign, but if you can get that into the contract, that helps everybody starts to say everyone else has this and they have this, so we have to have this, so forth. But do we know who exactly Dan McGowan is going to run point for the state in regards to this. Is it going to be the Infante Green people? I believe it is. It you is. Know, uh, okay, so it's not the their, mayor's people. No, it will, it will absolutely not be the mayor's wow. people. I think okay. my, my question is, is mostly whether it'll be Infante Green um, you know, leading the way or will it be her attorneys kind of trying to do it? Yeah. Um, and, and, and that's always, you know, it's all about sort of drafting the right language. I would assume that it will be Infante Green because she's going to know sort of the, you know, the, the parts of the contract that she needs to change in order to, in her eyes, you know, advance student priorities. Right. So I think she's going to be the one kind of at the table from the state side. Wow. Well, one thing about Mary Beth Calabro, Dan McGowan, is, and I go back to, it was, uh, it was almost two years ago now, but it was, or it was two years ago, 2018, when they, and you were there, when they shut down Mayor yeah. Lars in his state of the city, and he was trying to say, you know, hey, you just got a new contract. They, 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 she seemed, and I don't, you know, you don't know if it's gamesmanship or somebody, but they seemed, she seemed um, completely unconcerned that they basically shut down his state of the city, 
seemed completely unconcerned that they just, like, there, there was no element of maybe that was wrong, maybe we shouldn't have done this, blah, blah, blah. She also had her own recent headlines with the situation in Pilgrim. And there, there is just, to me, a, a, cons- a consistent attitude of they're very consistent on what their goals are and ends justify the means. If there's someone that says we are willing to fill City Hall with 1,000 teachers screaming and chanting we want a contract and it shuts down his state of the city, so be it because that's what our goal is. That to me is not someone who says, you know, we got to work within the confines. They, 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 to me, they are a scorched earth type of uh, attitude towards this type of thing. Yeah, I mean, not not just, you know, unconcerned or unapologetic, proud. They were yes. proud of yes. what they, they accomplished um, with, with the, the mayor a couple of years ago. And uh, and I think it's a sign. I mean, look, the, the commissioner knows this, that, that the, she, she says she's preparing for it to be, you know, she wants it to be uh, collaborative, but she's she's realistic and eyes wide open and she's preparing for it to be a fight uh you don't know it's like the old saying about mike tyson everybody has a a plan until you punch him in the mouth you don't (laughs) you don't know what you're getting into uh until a thousand people show up on your doorstep and you don't know what to do and so yeah i mean look that very well could happen here um you know and by the way uh, imagine this uh, uh, this could be one of those things where the education commissioner doesn't make a lot of major public speeches Guess who does? The governor. Yeah. Uh, and so, you know, you could have a really ugly situation where, you know, you're not just interrupting City Hall. You're interrupting, you know, the governor of Rhode Island uh, at some point in this process. Now, look, I think they're still I think they are going to at least begin the conversation, um, you know, with cordial negotiation. Uh, but the more the state wants to do, you know, the more the state wants to do the more the union's going to say, pay us or give us something else. Yep. And that's where this could get ugly. No givebacks. Um, before we let you go, Dan McGowan, again, folks, Dan McGowan of the Boston Globe, a couple good things. I love the fact you have that tonight, as you said, fly on the wall with Speaker Mattiello and his fundraiser. Ed Fitzpatrick, great story um, uh, with with the whole situation at the State House. I'd like to just hear any takeaways that you may have. I know this is one of those stories that those in the know know. that This is... This is very, very serious, and, and it's a different type of story. When you have the, the state police, when they got tipped off that things were being thrown out, um, they, they didn't just chuckle and hang up and go back to, you know, flipping through whatever papers. They, they, they showed up, and they wanted to see what was being done there, and they showed up the next day, and they are at the convention center talking to people. This is highly, highly irregular that the state police are this interested in what's going on with the whole Frank Montanaro, Speaker Mattiello, and the JCLS. Oh, 100%. I mean, you, John, you're well-sourced, uh, uh, and, 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 and I'd like to believe I am as well. And Monday night, I, had a, I was actually out of town. I was flying in. My phone just started to light up. And once you, know, once you started to hear that there was something going on at the Statehouse and there was a dumpster and all this kind of thing, I mean, everyone is talking about this. And it's, it's because it's not your normal you know, hey, you got somebody a job and you got in trouble, or you, you know, you, or you fixed something. You know, if this were just uh, a minor level of, you know, you're mad. The speaker was mad that his friend got put on leave, and you know, he yelled at someone. This would not be uh, a big story. What's a big story about this is the fact that the state police are now all over it, uh, and and I think what what it will mean, and why I'd love to be a fly on the wall tonight at that fundraiser is. Um, all these guys who are going to go and donate $1,000 to the speaker are going to write their check and then immediately be looking down at their phone for what's next. Yeah. Uh, and, and that's going to be the buzz at this place tonight. That, that That's what the conversation is. That's what's happening at the state house as well. And I think the speaker is trying his best to kind of, uh, you know, maintain control and maintain a hold. And to his credit, John, he has done that, right? He, he has. has not yes. seen anyone in the leadership team come out and criticize him. Um, not even, not even start to criticize him. Not even say, "Boy, we really shouldn't have done that JCLS thing. That was wrong." I mean, nothing yet. And so, it's going to be very interesting to see if you know the more that comes out about this, um, these things can happen very quickly. People start to distance themselves very, very quickly. Uh, you'll remember. Back when Gordon Fox and the FBI, you know, raided the state house, the speaker was having lunch 
uh, that whole canteen. Was, yep. Yeah. Then, then majority leader was having lunch assembling his team that day. Yep. Right on the sidewalk on Apples Avenue. Right. The photo of him That's doing right. that. Boy, tonight they are really going to be keeping uh, track and keeping attendance. Who doesn't show up? If you are a lobbyist or someone that you work with uh, the t- the House leadership, you, you better be on your deathbed if you don't show up there tonight to show your support and or have a very That's good right. excuse because they want to be sure of that. But what it's also uh, very dramatic here, Dan McGowan, that I'd like is this isn't summertime. This isn't the fall when they're not in session. This is the beginning of the session, and this thing is starting. So they, they have to be up there every day. They have to face people every day. The building is crowded every day. They have to have other type of interaction. Um, we haven't seen anything like this. The Gordon Fox thing, there was rumor of that, but that really did catch people off guard when they went and scooped them up. But, um, but again, what I come back to is the fact that the state police did follow up to see if they were throwing things out. That, um, you know, I've heard different theories on that, that they, you know, wanted to, that they were the ones that tipped them off because they wanted the state police to say, see, we didn't throw anything out, and so there's nothing there. But that whole mold situation of relocating the office and the way this is battling out, um, again, the average person, they hear about it, but th- this is, um, I-, I don't know, no one knows where this is going to go right now as far as uh, with, with Mattiello, but to me, it certainly sounds that this could, um, well, I, I think it's going to end up in a grand jury. Um, I, I don't see how it doesn't end up with a grand jury because they're, they're clearly investigating. And the narrative that we've come to know seems to be echoing in the press, which is that it was Mattiello himself that leveled the threat and then did follow through with the audit. Which, to your credit, John, you, you were the one that reported that I first. I did, and, yes. And, and, and I think that's, that's important for people to know. And, 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 yeah, I mean, that certainly appears to be what everybody else is, is hearing and understanding, too. Uh, and the question is going to be, right, the question for law enforcement, the question for lots of different folks is, you know, <clears throat> how much of this is you called and you were frustrated and you, you know, <clears throat> excuse me, you, you know, wanted to make a point versus, you know, the action, right, the audit, and is that is, is, is ordering an audit, you know, as in theory retribution, is that a crime or is it, you know, kind of the political trickery that, that you know, certainly anyone can, anyone in a high-level uh, position can do? I think that that's what I'm interested in. That's what, you know, it certainly appears at very least incredibly questionable. Yeah. Um, and, and, and to your point, I mean, you and I live off of tips, right? Yeah. I get a lot of tips from people who say, uh, you know, lots of random things, and they say they've gone to the state police and they've gone to the Providence police. Very rarely do the state police and the Providence police immediately act Correct. and go, yeah. you know, go to the dumpsters. And, and so this was something where they felt it was good enough. And by the way, state police are smart. They know people are going to know about this. They knew there would be cameras. Um, and, and so they know that this is a high-profile thing. Um, and it is also intriguing. You had him just a couple of weeks ago, right before this. As it, actually, as it was breaking, you had him that night, and then it was too late. But where he is skilled is, uh, you know, that night, he knew all this stuff was going on, whirling around in his mind. He certainly, uh, Speaker Mattiello is not to be underestimated. He has certainly have the ability to, comp- uh, you know, put things in compartments, comp- compartmentalize. But what I've also heard, finally, is uh, with tonight... Demers was told he better not show up at the fundraiser. And also, Mattiello is trying to float out this theory that I've heard, that he uh, Demers misled him. He told him that. He might have overreacted, but it was his friend, and he's the bad guy. So um, I don't think any of that's going to matter. Dan McGowan, how can people get your free daily email of Roadmap? Yeah, every morning, if you want it, you can, uh, you know, you, it's RI News. If you just send a blank email to rinews at globe.com, rinews at globe.com, you'll get, you know, new original content from me, a link up to all the great stories in the globe, and then kind of a rundown of what's happening tonight. You know about the speaker's fundraiser because it's in roadmap today. You know, yeah, that's right. you know about where the governor is, things like that. <clears throat> and and that's, uh, that's really the goal. Two and a half, three minutes tops to read in the morning, kind of get your fill of everything that's going on, kind of set the day. You'll get it before 8 a.m. So just send a blank email to rinews at globe.com, uh, and I'll add you, and you'll start getting it tomorrow morning. Yeah, this business, though, of them 
going to the state house, and I put this on Twitter in 1984. I remember is that famous photo of the Rhode Island State Police trooper right there at standing in front of City Hall because words started to circulate that the CNC team, who was he was being forced out of office, they started shredding documents and so forth. We haven't seen anything like that in that type of action in a while. Dan, great job. Again, this is only, this is Thursday. You guys have had a phenomenal week with the education reporting and also this. Uh, Great job, and we'll talk to you again. Thanks so much, Sean. Have a good one. All right, folks. Dan McGowan of the Boston Globe right here on the John DePietro Show. Tim Dodd. Our legal expert's going to join me coming up at 1. Folks, phone lines are open, 766-1380, 401-766-1380. This portion of the John DePetro Show is brought to you. Remember, if you're having a plumbing emergency, call Courts, C-O-R-T-S, Courts Plumbing of Cumberland today at 401-714-8478. Do you have a plumbing emergency? You're saying right now? You need a reliable, good plumber? Call Victor Quartz at Quartz Plumbing of Cumberland today. Family-run business for over 20 years. 401-714-8478. 401-714-8478. Victor Quartz, Quartz Plumbing of Cumberland. They're professional. They're reliable. Whether it's repair and maintenance or hot water tanks or a problem with your drain or your pipes, call Victor Quartz. Now, at the State House, they wouldn't have had that mold problem. If they had called Victor Quartz and Quartz Plumbing of Cumberland, 401-714-8478. Tim Dodd, our legal expert, joins me coming up at 1 o'clock. We're going to go over the latest with the whole impeachment thing. I think it's coming to an end. Uh, thank God. I think it's um, – I just don't think that this – if you open the door and start to have all this business with the witnesses, I just don't think it ends anywhere. I want to say good afternoon to uh, everybody on Facebook Live. We have our crowd there. There's uh, Stephen, and um, that's right. Trump. There's uh, my friend Frank. There's uh, Kevin and uh, Diana. Hello there, Diana. That's right. Hi there. There's Frank Ritchie and uh, there's Kathleen O'Dell and a lot more. You can give a thumbs up, folks. Remember, you can always uh, go and watch the program and interact with others that are watching it on um, on Facebook Live. All right. 766-1380. Tim Dodd joins me, our legal expert. We're going to talk about the situation of the State House. We are going to talk also uh, about the situation with impeachment and where it stands. I think it's going to wrap up this whole thing. The real play here is they wrap it up tomorrow and then let all the people, the Democrats, all those, whether it's Chuck Schumer, let them squawk all they want. The whole thing is going to be lost because the Super Bowl is Sunday. And then on Monday, everyone's in a fog anyway. So let them do it now, and then it'll be screaming. Is there anyone listening? I mean, to me, I, I don't think if you, in the Senate, and I know Mitt Romney doesn't like the president. Susan Collins is different. I think she, you know, they're trying to take her out and so forth with the challenger. But I, to me, no one is watching it. It doesn't matter. And anyone sitting there in the Senate, Senator Whitehouse, Senator Reid, they're not changing my mind on it. The moment I, you know, we knew Congressman Cicilline was involved, of course, then that it was going to be problematic and they rushed it in the House. It's not the president's fault that it was rushed. We're talking about they're talking about removal of office. There's no reason. This is a trap of we just want to have a few witnesses. That's all it is, is a trap. And I'm glad they're holding strong. You want to call John Bolton? Then let's get Hunter Biden on the stand. Oh, no, no, we don't want Hunter Biden. Well, then you're not getting Bolton. Listen, this is nonsense. They're not getting anything done. There is no way. I hope. Now, Senator Reid uh, is up for re-election this year. Would it, would it impact Senator Reid either? If Senator Reid, with his constituents, if he did not vote for this, then they would come after him. But no one is in danger. No one is losing an election because of this. I think just the opposite. I think in the House, certain districts... Um, if this was more of a level playing field, people like Cicilline and Langevin should face a penalty for the way that they have treated this. But I think, I believe, most people feel this is wasting time. They are wasting time. Nothing is getting done. Enough of this. A couple of things that have happened that are just totally throwing this to the back burner. Number one, the Super Bowl is Sunday. Number two, the death of Kobe Bryant. And then number three... People are more concerned about if they get on an airplane, if they're going to be exposed to this virus as opposed to some Ukraine phone call that took place.
where most people cannot identify where Ukraine is on a map. I'll, I, I'm willing to bet. I know CNN, they're making a big deal of it. But I say that goes across the board, both Republican, Democrat. I'm willing to bet nine out of ten Americans, if you went right now to Warwick Mall and showed people a blank map, and said, show me where the United States is, they could. Show me where Mexico is, they could. Show me where, as an example, Ireland is. Maybe that maybe they could. But if you said to these people, show me where Ukraine is, I, I, I'd like to even maybe 10 out of 10. But certainly 9 out of 10 could not. So the thought that somehow this is going to drag them out of office, it's, it's not happening. It was never happening. Uh, plus the Iowa caucus is Monday night. So wrap this thing up and then think of this in succession. You have the Super Bowl, you have the nonstop coverage of the virus, plus you have the Iowa caucus. Plus you have all the Kobe Bryant stuff still hanging out there. Lakers are playing their first home game on Friday, tomorrow night at the Staples Center. Plus you haven't even had the Kobe Bryant funeral yet. So it is endless. You know what no one's paying attention to is that stupid Senate impeachment trial. They're just not. No one is. It's not going to have any impact on how people vote. So just end it. Mitch McConnell, I think he did do the smart thing by floating out that we're not sure we have the votes. And that's up at the pressure on people like Collins and Mitt Romney. And then just end this whole thing. All right. 766-1380. You don't want to miss it. Coming up now, Attorney Tim Dodd. We're going to talk about impeachment plus the latest at the State House. A lot more ahead on the John DePietro Show. Do you own and operate a small business and you rely on communicating with your employees while they're out in the field? Well, if you do, this is the perfect time to make the switch to T-Mobile for Business. This is Sal with T-Mobile for Business, and I encourage you to reach out to me today at 401-332-0000. This is the perfect time to make the switch to T-Mobile for Business. Right now, we have unlimited plans with unlimited talk, text, and data. With no contract, great deals on iPhones and Samsungs, this is the perfect time to make the switch to T-Mobile for Business. Stop wasting money. Call me for a free consultation at 401-332-0000. Again, 401-332-0000. Stop wasting money with your current cell phone carrier. Call me today, Sal with T-Mobile for Business, 401-332-0000. You want a reliable, dependable oil provider. You want Henry Oil. Call Henry Oil today. Call Lori and Carmine today at 401-521-0200. Henry Oil, since 1947, full-service fuel company, fuel oil, diesel, gasoline delivery, 24-hour burner service for contracted regular customers, oil burner service and installation, automatic delivery, budget plans, lock and cap pricing, serving most of Rhode Island and Massachusetts. It's Henry Oil, 521-0200, 521-0200. Henry Oil, reliable, affordable fuel oil delivery, fuel oil, diesel, gasoline delivery, residential commercial fuel oil delivery, service contracts. Call Henry Oil today, 521-0200, for Henry Oil. I'm on the road and my ride is going strong. At Paul Massey Chevrolet, you get the lowest price guaranteed every day with Rhode Island's only true one price on our exciting lineup of Chevrolets. Paul Massey's one price plus true car equals our best price guaranteed. And it's only at Paul Massey, Rhode Island's number one Chevrolet dealer. Lease a 2020 Equinox LS front wheel drive for only $179 a month for 39 months with $29.88 due at signing. Buick GMC South is New England's number one Buick dealer and Rhode Island's number one GMC dealer. Get the lowest price anywhere. Paul Massey's one price plus true car equals our best price. Guaranteed. Lease a 2020 Terrain SLE front wheel drive for only $198 a month for 39 months with $24.88 due at signing. Great selection, top-notch service, and the lowest one price only at Paul Massey. Well, folks, remember, if you're trying to run a business and you are, listen, you can't depend on everything as far as what I mean is you, you can't be doing it all. It doesn't it doesn't hurt to have someone that you can depend on 
to get you the type of workers that you need. That's why, fortunately for you, in trying to run your business, you have MEGA, M-E-G-A, MEGA professionals. Call them today, 508-336-7801, 508-336-7801, MEGA professionals. What can they help you with? Well, if you need workers, drivers, certified help, part-time, full-time, local, a.k.a. sleep-at-home drivers, class A, B, non-CDL, warehouse workers, mechanics, skilled labor, office workers, professionals, health care, you can depend on MEGA, M-E-G-A, MEGA professionals. Call them today, 508-336-7801. Serving Rhode Island and Massachusetts, MEGA, M-E-G-A, professionals, 508-336-7801. You are listening to The John DePietro Show on 99.9 FM and 1380 AM. News Talk WNRI. And we're back, folks, coming up. Next hour, Tim Dodd, our legal expert on the John DePietro Show. This portion of our program brought to you by MEGA Truck and Trailer Repair. Commercial trailers, diesel equipment, free estimates. FHWA inspections, Rhode Island State Inspection Station, trailer pickup and delivery, 24-hour mobile service. ABS repairs, breaks doors. If it's on a trailer, they can fix it. MEGA Truck and Trailer Repair, 508-336-2110, 508-336-2110. Phone number is 401 766-1380. Good afternoon. It's John DePietro. You can always email me. It's john at DePietro.com. John at DePietro.com. Read the website, DePietro.com. Now, I just received during the break information from a police source who provides me accurate, dependable information. And the information is, hold on, let me get the trumpets ready. Folks, this is the first time you're going to hear it. Where are my trumpets? Sound the trumpets. Sound the Sound the trumpets. It's that type of, this is Steve White would call this a four-star announcement. Sound the trumpets. Are you hearing this for the first time? Okay. High-level police sources. Are you ready? I'm just mad at the journal. Speaker Mattiello. And their editorial page. Involving the convention I'm center. Just mad at the journal. Speaker Nick Mattiello. And I'm gonna show you my will be indicted by March first. Mattiello will be under indictment. They call me Mattiello. In the convention center scandal. They call me Mattiello. House Speaker Nick Mattiello will face, be indicted I'm still mad about voting. by March 1st. Now, this is sources voting that are already familiar with the evidence. Now, obviously, getting I'm a little so bit ahead, but they are confident they have enough right now, Mattiello, to be indicted before they March 1st. Get him in cuffs. They call me Mattiello. He will then be dragged out of office. They call me Mattiello. We just need them to raid his state house office on the third floor. They're going to be pushing Lynn Urbani out of the way, who's married to Bud Craddock, who runs the DMV. Boy, no cronyism there. And I asked Danica Iacoy to politely move off to the side. Grief counselors will be on hand for Leo Skenyon, will be crying, inconsolable, with the speaker under indicted. Grief counselors will then make their way to the Wampanoag Trail. The air staff will have a tough time with their leader that they protect under indictment. So, folks, again, you're hearing it right now. Now, I recognize someone is saying, but Juan, wait a minute. Today is Thursday, January 30th. I understand that. And it does need to go through and complete through the grand jury process. But I am telling you right now that my sources tell me the information that they have already right now. They are very confident. Speaker Nick Mattiello, in the proud tradition of being the speaker at the Rhode Island State House. Tradition of Gordon Fox. And John Harwood will be indicted by March 1st. 
by March 1st. You know what's in the eyes of March? Think about it. You know what's interesting about that is Fox. It was in March when the state police and the FBI raided the Rhode Island State House and the office of Gordon Fox. And then they had the arrest warrant and then they picked him up and grabbed him at his house in Providence. So this would be another speaker under indictment uh, right around right around into the month of March. All right, next hour, Tim Dodd. We'll see. We'll see. But that's the information I have. Folks, the power hour is next. You don't want to miss it. Remember, you heard it here first. Check to Petro.com. We'll have an update on it. Tim Dodd is next. You don't want to miss this. It's next right here on the John DePietro Show. Socket, W236CW, W260DC. W-N-O.